Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode... Exciting, like to be talking to people over the internet. I mean, I know we're just saying like how we we much prefer in real life, obviously. I know, I know, but but we're I mean, embracing your reach is further now. So this is right. and I'm speaking to a I'm speaking to a fellow Kennedy. I know, <laughs> which is like which I mean, how does that when does when does that ever happen? Never, yeah. like it never happens. So yeah, I, I will say it's a very informal start, and I'm speaking to Sean C Kennedy. I feel Fantastic. like I gave you like cool. your full title there. Is there a reason for the C? My middle name's Colin, but I realised that there's there's way there's actually um, there's a few Sean Kennedys that are actually in music. And there's, there's one actually exactly. <laughs> there's one and um, another. Um, the guy from Apple Music had reached out to me and said, "Oh, check this out! You've got some competition." And there's another Sean Kennedy. Whoever and he was joking, he was like, "There's only one." <laughs> I'm like, "That's fine." When I when I found out there was a few, I used the um, the initial of my middle name so uh, that's with the c's in there but i was i'm always joking with people especially over here when they're asking what the c stands for and i said it's just depending what you think of me the c could stand for whatever you want <laughs> you are saying uh, over here because you sir are in nashville yes nashville tennessee yeah so a good bit away from home yeah and i'm i'm like very excited to get into all that and like why you're there I've been I've been doing a bit of a deep dive on you and your Instagram. There's not many places to hide for me on there. I definitely share a bunch of different stuff. So, uh, no, I like I just it. use no, that as my as my life's personality rather than be just my music. There's a bunch of stuff which is good. Yeah, that's important. Yeah, because yeah. there there's the man behind the music, and yeah, you are a singer singer songwriter. And mm-hmm. from your Instagram, and I know that's just like as all. It's a bit of a highlight show. Yeah, you just do what you want to put mm-hmm. out. But what I was getting from your Instagram is that you are very much in a very close family. Yeah, definitely. We, um, I th- yeah, we're just like a probably like a group of friends now, whatever. Um, and my dad's always been in music most of his life and got into business, but always, um, always been a, a musician from the get go. And then my mum was in um, theatre; she was a dancer, and then my sister oh, did music as well. So it's all. I mean, I was definitely, I was the one that never really did music. It'll actually be tomorrow's 10, ten years tomorrow I started out. Um, no like my first show by myself. So I was a late bloomer. Um, so I always played football back home and then it just had a bunch of um, operations. I had a, I ended up having a, a um, stem cell bone transplant like about 12 years ago. So I was one of the first to experiment with the, the bone and how that how the body heals with it. So it was an experiment at the same time, but it worked out great and, during that time, I was on crutches for like two and a half months. So just started spending 25 minutes sitting down in the shower because I couldn't put weight on my foot. And then those days, I used to go and put the iPod in the docking station. and I would just like sing my heart out. And I was like, oh, cool. Whatever. And then my sister, she was like, that's weird. Like, when did he ever sing? Like, he couldn't sing a note to save himself because I just like, I just played football and everyone just assumed that was okay. He's good at that. That's fine. My dad never forced me into music. Um, and then my sister told my dad, and uh, and he was like, Sean doesn't sing. And she's like, no, you have to go and listen to him sing. So then the next thing, they're all, they hear me belt out in the shower. I mean, the thing is, like being around about 18, 19, it's a touchy subject. You, you think you know everything. And then especially like your dad tries to give you advice about this. Like, so your sister said that you've been singing. And I was kind of like, yeah, I guess so. And I, I was depressed at the time. I was like... Doctors like you're not going to play football, um, and I never really had any other thing, as I say, going for me at the time. Um, what I thought anyway, and then um, I thought, yeah, I'm kind of like just enjoy singing along with some songs. He's like, record some cover songs if you want. And then fair play to my dad, he sent me to his friend to record. And then I went up there. He left, came back a few hours later, and I'd recorded a couple of cover songs. And he he listened to me, and he's like, he's like, where did this come from? I was like, I don't know. It's like just happened and then just crazy serendipity things happened and like the timing of everything was just like bizarre from the operation and my dad was like well maybe if you want to pursue it go and find yourself a local band and then so that night I was still on crutches and I thought I'm gonna go to the pub and have a a few beers with my friend and then I see this guy from from um from high school and he was like oh what happened to you and I said oh long operation this and that and 
Um, I said, how about you? How's everything going with the, the band? And they were like locally successful. And he's like, That's, it's actually been, it had been going well, but the singer just left last week. And I'm like, right, okay, Man, here we go. And it was literally like Forrest, Forrest Gump moment, just like being there. And then I told him, I was like, oh, I started like singing. He's like, he's like, you sing? I'm like, yeah, it just kind of, kind of happened when I was on crutches and I'll send you some stuff. So I sent it. They liked it. And I joined the band for a year. Had no, no clue what I was doing. I would, uh, I was, Pretty much front in the band, couldn't play guitar, couldn't write songs, didn't know how to hold a mic, like but I was kind of thrown into the deep end. I was like, what the hell, let's go with it and then see what happens and then and then that happened and it kinda of like the band fizzled out, like I still have good friendships with everyone, but they all had really good day jobs and making good money and I thought I was working in um the building trade as a rough caster and plasterer and I thought, I'm gonna try and like work on it a little bit more. And I remember I was going for a I was going on a boys' holiday and the Friday, um my dad came through and I was working for my dad at the time and he said, um, he said, when you come back to your holiday, he's like, do you want to, do you want to give it a shot? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, cause I'm, I enjoyed doing rough cast and plaster. It was therapeutic yeah. and it, it ran in the family. And, and he's like, Oh, when you come back, do you fancy giving the music? Cause he clearly had saw there was like opportunity. And if he had the chance, he would do it again. So then, and, and fair play. And, and he said, when you come back, just I'll do whatever I can to like help you out to a certain point. And then, so it was hard. I wanted to write songs when I came home from work, but I was just like exhausted, like tired, and then like the passion was definitely there, but I was just like drained. So came back and then kind of it took a while to like get myself into flow to like have a structure because it wasn't like mm-hmm. it was so easy to go and get a coffee somewhere or do this or do that. But that kind of that was that was kind of the way it went. And then um, yeah, tomorrow's ten years, the fifth of September. Now. And that feels really poignant then that we're having this conversation. Definitely. When I, when when you when we said next Friday, and I thought, oh wait a minute, that's ten years. Um, so it's really like a lot of like nostalgia, and it's been a. I mean, I could say it's been like a fast ten years. I think because I really started out when I was like twenty two, like as a singer songwriter, playing my first show. And I mean, some some people, there's always someone that's younger and hungrier coming up behind you it's the same any job it doesn't matter there's always going to be someone so you need to keep on your toes and so I was kind of more like fast tracked and I would write some songs with my dad which wasn't easy but we ended up writing great songs and then some of them went on my first album I love how your dad didn't like push you though like he was very no. much like just allowing you to do your thing and obviously the football was a passion for you um, and it sounds like to me I mean not to like be over dramatic about it but it sounds like music came at just the right time like it almost like oh, saved yeah. you in that moment where it must have been so difficult and it's like your health's your wealth and as soon as something wrong happens you're just like you can then just go into this headspace of well that's it and you know and everything's doomed and and I'm sure you were going through all of that like you were saying mm-hmm. so the fact that in that moment in the shower you started singing and, I, and even then I wouldn't even think like oh this runs in the family maybe I'm getting good at this like my, some of my friends would say like and we went to some bars and I was like, go and sing up in the karaoke. And I'm like, oh. And eventually I would go up and do it and it kind of came. But it was definitely, when I look at it, there's, I mean, if I never really had like that, that exact operation, there's still no explanation where the actual injury came from. It just happened. It was a wear and tear thing at 18. And it's like, you should have wear and tear at 18. And then just all the whole flip thing and then all the little moments, the serendipity things and like, that happened in between and it's like no this was meant to happen that way and it was I mean I guess it was mm-hmm. painful and there's a lot of different stories of people that whether it's hate to say like car accidents and then it changes their life and they come out and they do something else or people take like huge huge shifts and and definitely it's hard I kind of noticed to um, over the years I noticed like some of my family had um, depression and I never really knew what that was and you think you know do you snap out of it and it's like and I got it eventually when I kind of felt it myself and got out and, and, and realised that it's like your body has to go into a state of like deep rest. That's what depressed, that's the way I look at it. I saw someone had mentioned that. It's like depression is deep rest. Your body has to shut down because you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Um, and that's whether it's like on, um, whether, it, whether it's your body, the universe that communicates together. It's like, wait a minute, we need to like reset this person right here and restart. Yeah. And unfortunately, some people don't really come out of that because depression's a, a horrible thing at the same time but when they get out of it and then they're on their way it's like oh wow okay and that's but I really do gra- like mm-hmm. believe in the healing powers of music though oh. and the arts in general you know obviously mm-hmm. there's been actual studies done on it we should all have some sort of creative element to our lives mm-hmm. and we all have the ability mm-hmm. to be creative it's just whether you yeah, yeah. 
tap into that and I see you know I'm like a broken record on this podcast I say this all the time but mm-hmm. um, whether you want to pursue it, and obviously you have gone on to pursue it like you had those creative talented juices through in your through your blood you just didn't know it until I know how to tap into it I had to take a, a bit of pain to like feel it which also can help when it comes to like songwriting and you know how to whether deliver a wee bit of emotion here or whatever having a bit of life experience like yeah doing your day job doing the football going through that operation going through that massive change in your life discovering music that gives you something to write about surely it does and and i remember i remember i heard i actually heard it recently someone that guy was talking about his son was trying to write songs and i remember i ref i pretty much he referenced something that i had said to my dad and but dad's like, are you not like writing enough or are you writing and stuff? I'm like, I'm just waiting for something bad to happen so I can write about it. And I always thought like that was like, because I was more like feely and... Angst. Uh, yeah, and my empathy, maybe that was like, it had to be about that. And I mean, now I just, all my stuff's trying to like be relative to everyone and be like um, hopeful and um, inspiring enough. Your recent track, Let Life Love You. Yeah. Such a positive vibe. Mm-hmm. And it was love crazy it. how how that came about I was just talking to my sister the other day and someone tagged me in uh, a tweet on Twitter and then and basically MTV had posted I think there was like 5.8 million followers or something on the Twitter and someday they had tweeted out said how's everyone feeling today and this girl had basically replied and said oh like I've had better days whatever and then they replied and says well in that case you should listen to Sean C. Kennedy's song Let Life Love You and I'm like they've not even tweeted about it they've actually know about that song would suit the person and some people are like whether they don't get their song playlisted or they don't get the attention it's like you don't know you don't know you don't know who's listening who's watching you don't know what they're doing you don't know if they're not saying a thing because they want to see what you're going to do next they don't have to come out mm-hmm. and tell you you're doing amazing you don't they're going to wait to, that that could be the thing they're waiting to see what you do next so that gave i mean i'm i'm happy and content and i just now i'm enjoying the songs that i'm writing but when those little things come up it's like I mean that's that's cool, um, and yeah, people are like that's course, amazing. That's- it's like it is, it's cool. It's, it, you just like take it in and let it happen. That's that's the way um, I kind of look at that. But there's so much of what uh, you know when you're building a career and you're working on something that you can orchestrate to a to a point. Mm-hmm, definitely. But then in the creative industries and the arts, as we all know, in this time, for then comes yeah. along a pandemic, and you know mm-hmm. nobody knows what's happened. But then I guess mm-hmm. that's just everybody in life but yeah so there's only so much that you can orchestrate and plan for um, the rest of it's given to you that's what it is honestly i love the way chris martin from coldplay says it he's like you just have to show up and get in the way of it and let it run through you and then it comes out it's like i'm not any more gifted than anyone else i'm just standing in the way and using it put it back out i always say and i'm sure there's tons of people reference it's like write the song it comes out whether you channel it or you you see it someone said it you don't know and then you you release it and it's like it's no longer your song like it's everyone's mm-hmm. song and it, and it also doesn't mean it's just a song like people could just read the lyrics some people just love reading lyrics some people like you say melody oh, i love that melody and it's like well there's a reason because whatever the frequency that song's running at subconsciously your body's just resonating with it if you look at the origin of music it goes a way back to frequency and communication it was like for when people were in caves to try and communicate by noise i read a book on it one time and i was like oh it makes so much sense in fact one time i had a house party when i was back home and i was playing in the kitchen and someone said i mean i don't really love music but i really someone invited me and i love tonight i really loved it and i was like but that's maybe just that their their interpretation of they don't go listen every single day it sounds to me like obviously in a home where your dad obviously was in bands and your mum yes. was a dancer so I'm sure there was mm-hmm. plenty of music about like myself like I just can't imagine a day without music no and, and some days you're like oh I need, I need to turn the, the radio off and turn it off and just drive without something but mm. I mean that's why that's why there's so many different genres and styles because your your moods change and your your personality changes and I heard I was watching a movie right. it was old what was the guy's name you know exactly the old classic um Perry Como yes Perry, Perry Como came on and the movie and I was like because I've had a lot of for my new music that I'm putting out I've had a lot of um I went back and listened to I watched the movies that always inspired me I went back and watched Willy Wonka like two in the morning I woke up and I was like I'm gonna watch the movie and I watched it in the middle of the night and then it helped 
inspire the new song that's coming out soon and like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and then some of these new movies that I watched had like Perry Como and I was like I don't know why I've got like some Sinatra vibes going in there there's some 70s yeah. things some, and then there was no intention it's just like it just feels right to do it so um, I think it's important to just surround yourself with different genres of music though it does, doesn't matter what your go-to is in terms of creating music and what your sound is and that will evolve over time obviously and change because you as a person will evolve and change but I think it is important to surround yourself with lots of different types of music there's definitely yeah. stuff that I gravitate to and have done since a young age mm-hmm. James Taylor is like everything for me you know and uh, Jackson Brown but then oh, I was great. brought up yeah on Michael Bolton mm-hmm. Sunday Same. night my mum would listen to Michael Bolton and uh-huh. mm-hmm. you know and then but then in recent years and I always crack on about him we discovered Jason Isbell oh my goodness what there's a there's an amazing podcast there's these like music kind of um producer songwriter podcast and there's one um it's called and the writer is it's in the guy in LA that does it but there's also one back in the UK with two um two guys from Liverpool uh, what's the name of it? I'll get the name of it but Jason Isbell was on and they do like classic McCartney was on it Jason Isbell like Elvis Costello they had on um, and they asked the questions are great the other one in LA is very modern and it's about production these days and all that but the one with uh, Jason Isbell was um, so good to hear they just like, mentioned a couple of things that made sense to me he's like someone's like so would you say like you're a bit of a painter like when it comes to your songwriting and how you and he was like no I'm 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 like a sculptor. I'm just like, I just sit it there and I just keep picking away at it, hacking. I'll come back and then he goes back. Um, mm. And I'll send you, it's so, so good. But what, what a storytelling. And that's the thing that I gravitate to, towards, whether it's listening to music just for pleasure or whether it's for work, for, you know, um, choreographing. Or I think it's yeah, just, yeah. there's mm. got to be something, that hook that pulls you in. And the hook will be different. I mean, obviously, the term hook in, is in terms mm-hmm. of like something that's going to audibly pull you in, uh, but it yeah. could be. You know, like you're saying, the lyrics and everybody approaches music in a in a different way. Mm-hmm. And what they use it for in their lives, you know, some people mm-hmm. use it to motivate them to do a workout. Some people use yeah. it to calm them down when they're feeling stressed. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's like you as an artist, I would imagine, have to be listening to all sorts of stimuli mm-hmm. almost all the time. Yeah. But those like those days, like in the early days in the band and stuff, was, were you doing like covers or were you thrown into we this world of doing, like? Um, yeah, originally we were all because the the guitar player who now lives in uh, Edmonton in Canada, he was kind of like my kind of muse, and I was kind of understudying learning a little bit of songwriting, even though my dad was kind of showing me some stuff, and I wasn't really playing guitar. I was kind of like trying to figure out some chords and all that. Um, and he he wrote most of the songs in the band. Um, bass player wrote a few songs and whatnot. It's 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 interesting. That was my first kind of insight to songwriting and even then I wasn't really full on so most of the songs were all original in the band which is good and then that's when I wanted to like I picked up the guitar and I kind of drifted away a little bit as in like oh I want to try the singer songwriter thing and then as I say like 10 years ago tomorrow I played like first first show where it was like my four original songs that I'd written with my dad or by myself um and I was excuse my French I was shite myself but I was excited at the same time. I was kind of like, it's a great unknown. I don't know. I don't have a clue. Even now, like, I'll say that as well. I still don't know what I'm doing. But I know what feels right. And that's the only thing that you run with. You run you run on a feeling. Yeah, everybody I've spoken to in this podcast has said the same thing. Everybody's got imposter syndrome. Everybody feels that they're not quite ready for that opportunity. But then I think it's just about, like you're saying, like, go with your gut. But you are. You also, at the same time, you're like, no, I'm I'm ready because really, if you think about it, there's you can't you can't go back the way. So <laughs> you either get in the pool or get out. It's up to you, whatever you want. So you were riding this wave of like, oh, actually quite good at this, and actually really enjoy it, like getting the bug for it. Was there like a defining moment though, where you're like, I need to, like, I want to pursue this like full time. This is like my thing. I mean, I'm sure there would have been a path. I would have. I would, I believe I'd still be here today anyway if I took another one. But when my dad said that, I was happy enough. I was like the boss's son. Like was that was that was hard enough. I had to be, I had to try to be better than most people because I never got an excuse. I never got it easy, and my dad never got it easy from his dad, which is good because I learned a hell of a lot. Um, but when he said that, I was like, oh. And I think about it now. I was like, that's like there's not many. I'm sure great dads out there, but there's not many people would say that to their son. Is like, cool, go for it. I'll give you whatever opportunity and even now like um as I say I'll be like 
10 years and it's been it's been like six and a half years I've been in Nashville like four years on and off and then two and a half full time but even then it's just it's um just making it work and then I tell myself and even the family it's like it's always worth it some days I was like oh I'm gonna come home like and I know for like deep down I wouldn't I would I wouldn't mean it I would just have days of thought and they're like no you're not and then something like would happen but uh, there's so many my goodness, so many moments of like, you're like, wait a minute, if that never happened, I wouldn't, wouldn't be here. And, but when I came out here, I had a couple of friends that moved to Nashville, and I think they moved here 2013, and they said, I'll oh, come out to Nashville, and I thought, I'd heard about it. It's like a music mm-hmm. city and all that. And I came here, and I spent two months the first time, and I met a bunch of people and started to write with other people. And then I just kept coming back, and then some opportunities uh, opened up, and I thought, I may as well try my hand and, and see if I can get a visa, and it, and it worked out. And it was that, that was like, I mean, there was a lot of things that were handed to me because I had unfortunate like trouble down at the embassy in London when someone was having a bad day, and I seemed to be the guy that got it when everything was all approved. So mm. they'd said they, they would get back to me in uh, like sixty days, and then Christmas happened, January, which is a shutdown, and then even to this day, which was like oh, three years ago, I've still not heard back from them. I just took matters into my own hands and went to another place. I'm just like, that guy's not in control of my life. So everyone's like, don't, don't, don't go to another embassy. And I'm like, sorry, I'm doing it. I'm not, I'm do I'm not going to spend all the money and travel to, to America over the last years and all the people I met and the timing of everything and everything, the way it went for this guy to stop my life. And I was like, no, so I'm going to go. And then when I did it, there was so many things happened when I walked out of the, the the office when I got approved, and I was just over. I was just like more relieved than like excited. And then as soon as I got out, I called my family. A white feather landed at my foot. I said, "You never believe this." And my numbers are like like I've got tattoos. I've got number seventy seven from my parents, and then I've got three two three. I was going to say that's to do with your parents. Yeah, when Elvis passed away, my um, my dad's band at the time were asked to sing at the Pavilion in Glasgow when Elvis passed away as a tribute. So there's like five bands were playing and they do a Monday through Friday show. Um, and then in between each band um, played the dancers would come on, like 12 dancers, theatre dancers. My mum was one of the dancers. And then through every single night, they, I'm sure they, they, they both eyed each other up and whatnot. But my dad being, I guess, so I, I can admit and say like being a front man or in a band or whatever, it's fine having all that confidence and you're on stage. But... When it comes to asking a girl out, it's like there's only so many guys that have that direct confidence. So he uh, he just assumed that she had a boyfriend because she left straight after the show, but she had to get the train to Clybank. And then, of course, my mum's like, oh, like, he's amazing, he's gorgeous, look at him on stage, and she's just going to like smile and laugh because she's not going to go and ask him out. And then it got to like the Friday night, and one of my mum's friends, one of the dancers who was in with the guys, and, and she said she knew that there was something going on. And he's like, mm. are you not going to ask Eleanor out? Like, you look at each other up and down the wings and all that. And my dad was like, oh, she's she got a boyfriend. She leaves the show every night and all that. Um, she's like, no, she's got to get the train back to Cloudbank. So they got engaged two years after that. And then my sister was born two years again after that. So, mm. But I, it's, um, that's where the, the numbers come from. So I see it. It's been rel- very relative to me and things that I've seen in, in special moments. So when I was on the call and to say I got approved and, so anyway, I white feather, as I say, fell at my feet. And I thought, I'm going to walk into Belfast. So I turned, I came out, the, the embassy was in like an estate. I'm on the call, so when I turned the corner at the traffic lights, the car parked at the traffic lights, waiting at the red light, had 77 on the number plate. So I'm telling my dad, my dad's laughing. Then I walked past and the car behind it had 333 on it. I was like, cool, there you go. Like, take chances, it'll work out for you. It's so, so funny. I love that. I love all that, like... Yeah, the universe gives you signs, and it's whether you—it's what you do with them. It is, and it, and it's whether you're ready to notice those signs, or um, yeah. I mean, even when they happen now, I just I just laugh and say thanks. I'm just like, great. And there's been so many—I don't even know how many times. Even when I'd started out, music and my sister had moved to. She came back from Brighton, then went to work on the cruise ships for a year. I moved a piano into my bedroom, and I've got a tiny little bedroom, and I was just like plinking, like it wasn't really great. Um, and then I remember I'd started writing a song for my friend. His wife was like due a baby, like soon. Um, and I thought I'll write a wee song, whatever. So I'd mess about. Anyway, I went to my bed that night, and I kid you not, like whether people believe in this or not, but like I woke up in the middle of the night and I had a a ball of white light hovering above the piano, and I mean like a sphere just like swaying itself above it for like a minute. 
I was kind of going through what you call a spiritual awakening for sure, which for, for people listening, it'll be like spiritual awakening is not hocus pocus. It's nothing. It's not religious. It's not outer religious or the opposite. It's, it's just it's your awareness of your body and the world around you, whatever. So I was like, this was me going through my process. And I remember now that I look at it, I was like, that's amazing. But I just kind of sat up my bed. I wasn't scared. I was like, kind of like making sure I was awake. And I was like, I'm like, I don't know what it is. I'm not scared. And it was hovering just blue, white light. Like the size of um, like a small football or something like that, mm-hmm. and I fell back asleep. And um, I, 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 I don't care what anyone says. That was my calling for sure. And I looked at it. and I was like, Well, I mean, I've seen footage so. of you playing piano, and I'm like, you're an accomplished piano player now. Oh, like, no, I'm still like, no way. Like, I only no. really started during this thing in January when all this kicked off because my the house that I live at with my friend, he's got an amazing um, studio. He plays with a a band called Brothers Osborne. He's a drummer country band so yeah he um so we've got a nice studio here and he's got a piano so it's been amazing that as soon as all this when i moved in i can go and play down there at three four in the morning he doesn't care so that's definitely been like a big help to me so the it's definitely piano things been more recently and do you feel like moving to nashville was like your calling was the right I mean, I guess it's like the 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 mecca of music, you know, like it's like the place to be. But for you personally, do you feel you've been you're able to be more of an artist there than you would necessarily be in Scotland? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think because um, I just I just run, I run with it, I just run with whatever. And even my mum, like after I had all my operations, I just became so laid back. I used to care what everyone thought. Like I was, I was the last one to knowing my group of friends what was going on and I tried very hard to make sure I was like being there and that wasn't me like mm-hmm. so when when all that happened I was like I just let go of everything I was like and then the music thing came and I went to Nashville and I never really thought about it I was like let's just run with it and we'll see what happens and even now like data I do go day to day people are like where do you see yourself I was like um it doesn't matter it doesn't matter where I see myself and it's good I mean of course like affirmations when you do your thing it's like well as long as I do as best as I can today like tomorrow surely is going to be interesting or fun um, and I kind of I kind of look at it that way yeah I just, I just run with it I could quit music tomorrow and I'd be fine that's the way I like it that's how much I love it that I don't my personality and the effect I have on people is as me is way more important than what my music is so it comes through anyway like my personality I, I think comes through my music but I just always like to just like to let people know that it's like don't you're not a singer-songwriter. You're just learning how to write songs. That's what it is. I'm fairly, fairly happy. I mean, I'm pretty happy. I don't, I'm not like, I enjoy my own time. I have a bunch of friends and I do my thing. And I'm just really enjoying making the music. Now that I think the new stuff I'm making is I also don't care what people are going to think of my new music if they have a perception on what it should be. Because we all mm. have an artist that's like, oh, she or he changed their album there. And I'm not really, I prefer the last one. And I was like, that's fine, cool. But we yeah, all have to move good. in our own way, so... Yeah. yeah, and the thing is, you can listen to something and, and not necessarily initially appreciate it and then come back to it and it's oh, yeah. like a whole different You get it, you're second listen, you're like, oh, this is amazing. Aye. Which is Absolutely. beautiful, the beautiful thing about it. Who you are and like who you put out into the world that the you know you're saying you're very much just like you're being yourself and you're making no apologies for that and you're just wanting to be your most authentic self because I was mm-hmm. thinking about that story of like your mum and dad meeting and your mum had this perception of who your dad was because mm-hmm. he was the front man and he had this yeah. perception of your mum like she's a dancer and she'll definitely mm-hmm. be and it's so Taking funny because yeah. then to think of you as a performer and an artist do you then very much just now think I'm me on stage as much as I'm me in, in my music when I go mm-hmm. on stage I'm not putting yeah. any front on yeah I, I've definitely never been able to hide the like at all like through anything i mean i think even more nowadays we can we can smell the bs can't we like we can we all can smell that and i've I've just never even when someone's tried to like say like, like do it this way my parents will say as well like even for a, a long time and i think they maybe like assumed that i had to be a certain way or like do this but they realized i was so different from everyone and more than like my, my sister and my mom and stuff were into a thing called human design I guess it's it's about your whole energy and your whole blueprint of your your being kind of thing. Uh, and there's like four types of people on the planet that have majority of them are like I think they're called generators that are just here to work and have all the energy and can just go all the time. And then some people, a small percentage, a twelve percent, are like projectors who are here to help guide people with ideas or like whatever. But they don't have the same amount of energy. And I'm a projector, and 
for instance, my family, my mum and dad, my sister are all generators and manifesting generators, as they, as they call it. Now that they look at it and they see like I was so different in my blueprint, it's like, oh, we get it now. Ah, and the yeah. only way I know to do is just the way that I know. Like as, as much my dad tried to give me his advice is like second to none from music or business at the same time when, mm-hmm. when I need it, he'll give it. And he knows I can take it or leave it, but he gives it as it is both Aye, It's there um, if you want it. Yeah. yeah. You use them yeah, as a sounding board. Your, your people I, uh, 100%. And so, like, so privileged and so lucky to have people like that in your life. And, you know, I'm sure any creative has somebody that sort of goes to it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be somebody in their family. But, it, like, it sounds to me that they have just been very much just very supportive of you. It was never, like we were saying earlier on, never pushing you to do the music thing because yeah. that was your dad and your mum's kind of world. I think they're just like, cool, just let them, let them do anything. Eh? I don't have any expectation about anything. Just like too many things have happened to have expectation. So. Well, I certainly the, the world that we're living in right now, like none of us could have foreseen what would have well, everybody's, happened. Everybody's the same. It doesn't matter if um, if you're Andy Murray or you're, I don't know, the, the highest paid musician or I don't, everyone was just sitting in their house the same as everyone else. Someone... I'm sure they had a few million in their bank and they never really worried. But at the same time, everything became irrelevant. So everyone is back on the playing field as it is. So I'm mm-hmm. sure, like, didn't matter if you'd been married for 40 years or you were single or you just broke up with your partner before all this happened. It was all about an individ- your individual individuality for you to, to the opportunity to learn a hell of a lot more about yourself during that time, mm-hmm. whether you're with someone or not. And that's what I thought. I was listening to some of your music earlier on and there's a line in one of your songs, Every Day is a School Day. I say that all the mm-hmm. time. Is that just how you see life as just like a total experience to learn something new? Because it sounds like mm-hmm. to me you're just very, like you're a very inquisitive person. I remember my English teacher told me because I was so into football at the time and school wasn't my thing. Like if I go back, I'd probably be interested in it now. But um, by the time I just had like a focus on whatever. So I remember she said, She's like, you will do nothing with your life. And I'm sure she didn't mean it, but she was like, almost like, like get your, your shit together, pretty much. Like, oh, I like, oh, didn't you like, to do something about it? And who would have known I became like uh, learning how to do songwriting of, of all the English um, that I had not learned. But I, I just think um, um, every day is a school day. It's like, no, you're not really. I mean, most, most of the things, what is it Steve Jobs says before he passed away? He says, we're just taking advice from people that are no smarter than us. No one really knows what the answer is. So um, Yeah, I think the minute you think you've sussed it, then that's where that's the start of your you demise, it. isn't it? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm, you missed, yeah, it. You exactly. missed the boat. Um, so I think, especially what is life, like I'd, I'd, I think I wrote the chorus at the end of November last year. Um, and I came back around to it because someone had posted in my story a little clip at the time, and someone had screen grabbed it. A, a friend of mine that does write songwriting as well, but she just loved it. So it was Feb, was it February or March when all this kind of started off? Um, and I had it kind of in the back of my mind. I just I'll get to it, and then she posted it. I actually tried to do it in a different key and different chords, and then she sent me that, and I was like oh, I need to do this now. And then it just came back to me. And, of course, it made sense during this. I wanted a song that finished, like, the album, the EP. Mm. And it would never have made any more sense than it did, like, right now. It will always make sense. Like, it's like, what, what is life kind of thing? It's just, mm. it was more more just, like, so many amazing things happen. And it's like, oh, I'm having a really crap day. or And then all of a sudden things just change for you. It's like a roller coaster up and down, the way the, the highs and lows match together. They have to, yeah. yin and yang, have to marry themselves. And I think it was more like that. It's like every, say, every day's a school day. And I was like, I was trying to make my point across for like the, the state of what the world was in. It's like, if you're healthy and you're good, you're good. Be grateful for that. Like, don't put yourself any further down than you're actually feeling at the same time. Do you know what I mean? You know, a lot of people are like, how are you doing? It's like, oh, I'm just getting by, like, in the world. And it's like, but you're good, though. Don't say that. I, like, I, I, we're all guilty of saying, how are you feeling? It's like, oh, I'm great. But you might not be that, that great. But we're all just saying, that's great. So it's that thing yeah, where, like... I tell you to, like, if a mate says I'm fine, like, to ask them twice, especially in Scotland, especially men, will say, yep. I'm fine. And you're like... But are you fine? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's one um, thing that I want to be a big part of my my career in the future. I want to. Um, I mean, I've been through like I can admit I've been through depression, and I'm sure there's maybe more people that have been through a, a heavier load. But I still felt it, and it's like okay, I'm I'm 
I lived around my mum and my sister for long enough. I have great relationships with like my girlfriends where probably more time I can have a better conversation with a woman than a guy and, and no offence to men, but we're a slow burn. We'll get there eventually. But I've, I feel like I've been lucky enough to live around my mum and my sister where I'm like, oh, I definitely carry a ton of female energy about me and I'm, I love it. I'm good with it. I'm happy. Mm-hmm. So that means I can just go to a certain place that um, I can be vulnerable at any point. So I try to do it whether I'm talking in my videos or in my songs and more just to know that let someone just feels like, oh, wait a minute, I can maybe do this too. I don't have to change their minds. I don't have to make them feel any more or less than they should, but I just say the way I feel and hopefully it's relative. Yeah. That's kind of where I come from. Well, I think it's important because like looking faith value, you know, a quick look at your Instagram or a quick listen to your music or seeing even a photograph of you, Sean, somebody mm-hmm. could decide what your life is oh god he's living the the dream you know he's Mm -hmm. in nashville like oh he's totally made it like oh he must be so lucky like everyone's just like Mm -hmm. throwing his way and you're like yeah there's been lots of positives and i've had a lot of support and all the things you said and yeah Mm -hmm. things are good but but you're a human being so i think it is important Mm -hmm. to put out just the real you because anybody who is pursuing music or even thinking about it working in the creative industries full stop Mm -hmm. is especially if you do it on your own if you're working for yourself there are highs and lows it is a roller coaster oh, it's and a I think, roller coaster. you know it's important like obviously you're putting out the shiny images and rocking a hat i have to say you do rock a hat. <laughs> but i think it's important like you are then putting out your videos and just speaking to camera and just being like this is what's going on right now so i'm feeling as it it's just to let you know that it's okay mm-hmm. i i mean i'm guessing you've got very many ways in which you create your music but do you like what is your creative process usually is it sitting down at the piano is it writing lyrics first or is it just an amalgamation of all of that so i go through probably the when you were talking about earlier as well when we go through listening to so many different types of music over the last like couple of years or whatever I, I tend to like when i feel an emotion i see a color so i already have not even the full vision, but I have the feeling, which is a colour, which is it's really hard to explain. And I just know I'll get to the end because I know how I feel about that colour at the same time. If I have a lyric in my, my phone, it's like whenever I got on a plane or something, I just rattle out like 10 ideas and then just leave them. That's my, my go-to. That's my supermarket list, whatever, when I go to and when I need to. Like I need to remember what I got last time. I go back into that and take an idea or everything. I'm all, I'm all about melody. It has to whether it's a hook, like we're talking about, or it has to mm. be like a flowy melody that takes you to a place. or um, That's very important to me, melody. So usually the melody comes first. It's like, okay, if that feels good, then I can add some lyrics to it. And some days I just have like the lyric, like Let Life Love You. I literally wrote the chorus in like two minutes or something like that because that was more a weird story that my sister, um, she was going through a rough patch. I think it was a little while after. I thought it was a few weeks after that, but... She was still like struggling. It's a long process, and my my grandmother came to her in a dream. There was a commotion of tons of people in her dream, and she's like, "What's going on?" Uh, and everyone moved, and my grandmother came forward and said to her, um, "The meaning of life is to let life love you." And then my sister texts me right away, <laughs> and of course, like there's a guitar right next to me at the time. And as soon as she told me, I was like, "Oh my goodness!" Like <sighs> everything just opened. Literally, the chorus two minutes and I sent it, I was like, what do you think of this? And she's like, oh, wow, like whatever. So I put that to the side and I had a couple more ideas. And I'm all about like sharing if I'm working with a producer or someone that I know close and we're going to get a good product. So I brought it to my friend Jeff and he's like, cool. And it, it pretty much just, I'd written it when we were sitting down and he helped like, he's like, what about this for a pre-chorus melody? I was like, amazing, cool. So that just came that way. Um, that's with bringing someone else in. What is life? I just wow. wrote by myself, by the piano, I just pulling my hair out for two days. I'm like, I know it's here. Like, I know it's like, it's at the piano and my roommate was gone. I've got the chorus. It's like, and then I always do that. I get to that point where I feel like I'm not stressed out about it, but I'm overthinking it. And it's like, just write mm-hmm. it. Don't even think about it. And the second verse was, um, the birds are singing in the tree. And that's when I hear the melody. And it was kind of like what I was trying to say when I was referencing earlier, like when you feel good, mm. you feel good, see it? And it's like the world can't be that bad when the birds are still singing. It takes a pandemic for us all to like listen to the birds. Yep. So that was that was my reference and and a lot of other songs come just by melody. My song Lavender's about my, my grandmother and just 
the feeling of the color lavender when I, it's weird how I represent or how I um, articulate the way I feel about colors. I just imagined walking through a cloud of the smell and the color, um, and it reminded my grandmother, and that came out really fast. And wrote that one back home in Scotland. So some songs are written with other people and bring the idea. Or, um, mm. It's a melody. And even now, the, the new stuff, like inspired by a movie, it's like, well, that movie, say Willy Wonka, like, it just made me feel good. And it's like, well, if that makes me feel good, how do I put it, how do I put that feeling into a song? So um, the new one comes out in a few weeks. So just like, that's my kind of way. So I love how knowing uh, your sister was compelled to message you that. Because you obviously come from that family where you are close and that you have this outlook. We can communicate and, that way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's lovely that she felt in that moment that she needed to send you that because it was your mm -hmm. grandma and that was a uh, moment for her. But also, she messaged you because she was like, mm -hmm. I need to give you this because mm -hmm. you're going to do Oh, yeah. Well, would she feel like there's probably the reason, not sure at first, maybe she maybe thought like Sean could write a song about this, but she, you're subconscious, you don't know. You're just maybe you have ah. to like, and, and even for the fact that MTV mentioning that song for a specific person to feel better about themselves. And my sister looked at it, it's like, this was all meant to happen that way. Like, that's the reason right. if, if my, if my wee granny had anything to do with anything on the other side, she would be kicking. <laughs> She'll do whatever she can, <laughs> which is funny. So that song becomes someone else's song. That's it. And I get a very like peaceful vibe from you that you're just very much at peace with like who you are, what you're doing, your music. Like you'll just you're just very much just riding the wave and just mm -hmm. seeing what already coming already to know. You. Already know what the worst thing is. Already know what the worst thing could happen. I don't think about it every day, but I'm grateful because I know like that's mm. that's going to happen. But I, I just, um, I went on a trip when I got back from Scotland. Um, so before I came back at the end of January, my, my uncle had just passed away and it was very unexpected. So I'd stayed longer. So when I came back here and I thought, you know what, I'm coming back to Nashville. I'm like, I'm going back to some place. Like, do I want to be there? Like, I was just feeling a lot of different things. Um, so I went back and I thought, stuff, I'm going to drive from Tennessee to California. I'm going to drive all the way across America. I'm just going to do it because I don't have to be anywhere and this is for me. So what, what a drive. <laughs> it was like three days all the way across. Amazing though. Um, and it was like a, I had to do it. But on the way back, I went from um, LA to Sedona in Arizona, which is what a play. I can't even explain the feeling of that place. And that's just where I found like, I felt like I was in a good place anyway, but it was very important. And it happened to be my uncle's birthday when I was in Sedona. Um, and everything just like made sense. There was no, there was no, I had to be somewhere. Like I didn't have to be anywhere. I was in the middle of everything. And I feel like it was a really nice piece of like enlightenment, so to speak. Uh, and I was like, you know what? I already see what the worst thing, like that's, it's not pleasant, but like, so everything's a bonus. Like that, everything's a bonus. Yeah. I did find a lot of like peace and I was having a conversation with friends last night and um, she's like my Nashville mum and um, whenever people get together, she likes to host people um, and she always has a question to ask someone and it goes around the table and everyone answers what they think. Um, oh, like and the that. two, good. It's good. Yeah, and she's got a really, yeah. really like hum humble, homely person and her quest first question was, um, what do you feel that you bring like your natural energy and your persona what do you think that you have that other people feel or see? And then she asked me and I was like, well, I think I make people feel comfortable with themselves or at ease or peaceful because I, I do that like if I'm playing live and I'm there's a place in Nashville called The Listening Room. It's kind of like the Bluebird, but it's bigger. And it's great that the, the tourists all come. There's like, I mean, they're all allowed half capacity, but there were still 100 people in the room, which was great at the weekend. And the thing for me is, like, from the get-go, is just, like, say something or do something that makes people feel like everything's okay. And then from that point, you can – I mean, I love having a laugh as well. Like, some of the people were rolling, falling off the chair at the same time. So it's a comfortable state of, like, cool, there's music, but, like, let's do something stupid or make a joke or whatever. So, um, yeah, I think just more, like – I just want people to feel, like, the way they should be feeling as a person. You shouldn't have to feel, like, nervous. And if someone feels nervous in the room, it's because – someone else is not at ease and do something when you hear a song and you start talking after the song you could go left field and be talking about something completely stupid and ridiculous and people like like 
oh, he's crazy, like funny, crazy, whatever. And it's like, well, good, because that's like, now you've got something else to think about. Let's jump into the next vibe. And again, when it comes down to songwriting, when you change your, your vibe up, at least when you go to play live, it's not the same thing all the time. And like, even like, like your music, so I'm thinking like, up all night it's such a funky like as soon as i heard that i was like yep. you add what you dance to that that in comparison to i won't let go i love the video for that oh for i won't let go yeah <laughs> it was I last was last, last year um i just had this idea and i was sitting with my friend we went for coffee and over um and i said i've got this crazy idea she's like what's that like oh, i was actually thinking about just doing this thing for i won't let go and just like hug random people down in broadway and I was like, "Is this is that is that stupid?" And she's like, "She's like, no, let's like, let's do it." And I'm like, "Like now?" She's like, "I'll film it." I was like, "Cool, let's go." And we literally went from the coffee shop, went and wrote on a sign, went downtown, and, and that was pretty cool. And there were some people that were terrified, terrified. Like I was like the free hugging people. Like um, I was like, "It's okay." I'm like, and I was like giving my hug. <laughs> some people would just walk by and just like they wanted to, but they weren't sure. And then other people like. You could see people watching from the top of the street and they could see I'm walking down and I was like, you're next. <laughs> you're next. I was watching no. it thinking, gosh, like, if we could go back to that time where we were all allowed to hug each other. That's called herd immunity. It's definitely is a good thing. Your body has an effect on hugging people and being around people. It was actually quite, like, emotional to watch that video because I was like, oh, that, that can't happen right now. Mm-hmm. And it came around again and my, my, my dad had reposted something and wrote up a message about it um that will come back round this one uh, so so what's uh, on the cards at the moment for you what are you doing right this second apart from talking to me i was playing football this morning i play every friday morning my friends which is good and then we get we get a coffee it breaks it up i look forward to playing on a friday because it's um it's a mental um kind of like separation kind of thing and changes up you have a laugh with the boys and all that yeah and i've got um got some work to do i do like some video on the side as well so I do videos for people and um a little bit of directing which i enjoy and then working on these next new songs the the new ones all submitted and ready to go come out at the end of the month and just prepping to try and do a video for it um, i've got some ideas for a cool video yeah and that's and like then, a couple other things yeah. itself in it like that creative element, like you've written a song you've recorded it you've maybe gigged it and music videos like i always say this like said like I was of a generation where music videos were like massive like you were always yeah it's huge I remember when MTV came out it was amazing but you think of the music videos that are totally iconic that you just love and it just Mm -hmm. doesn't seem to be as big a thing around I think it's such a shame because that's like another creative outlet and um, just yeah it's like almost you know getting your vinyl and getting the sleeve out and reading all the lyrics exactly (laughs) I mean I would love to it's, it's very expensive to be doing like videos, especially in this town. And just, I mean, I'll do as much as I can. Like, I, I literally filmed Let Life Love You video. I did, I filmed and directed the whole thing because one, I enjoy doing it. Two, I, I didn't have the money to just go and spend a fortune. And I thought this would be good because I can get the message and the image that would help deliver Let Life Love You in a nice sense. Mm-hmm. And I went to California and my friend did some filming for me. But I, I mean, I, I definitely want to do like way more videos because I think it's, I don't know, you can sit and watch it on your TV when your your pals are around. I get people messaging me all the time saying, oh, we're sitting watching you on the TV on YouTube. So I want to get more videos done. I have an idea for like up all night. So maybe that will happen um, Great. like soon enough. And what's the, the gigging scene like in Nashville just now? Like, is there anything happening? Yeah, I mean, there's like... Um, they have a couple of things where it's like a it looks like a drive-in cinema, but it's a stage. It's up high, and people are in the cars, which is cool. Oh wow! Um, played um, at a place called the Listening Room, and then mm-hmm. another couple of smaller venues. But in regards to more the bigger venues and the bigger crowds are not really there. Um, it's mostly the fact the fact that the the Listening Room thing is is still when I play there actively. I play again at the end of the month. It's good because it's people are coming to town. It's all new tourists and. And, and I'm busy, like, because I'm working on all this new stuff as well. Um, it's just a good time for, for me to, like, stay creative at, at home. Obviously not even really played with the band, any of these new songs, like, at all, like, the ones I put out. So that'll, like, happen, happen next year. And then just going to keep putting music out. Or I'll do two singles this year, like, before the, the year's over, and then start, like, um, putting out for next year again. Either maybe remixes of the songs just to keep it keep it interesting. Or maybe yeah. do a little video tomorrow, being the old 
10 years and whatnot so yeah um, of course i am I'm, I'm delighted that we were able to do this at such a mm-hmm. important time for you that's i know and, and thank you it was cool the way the timing came around no uh, pleasure but i think a lot of people say it's quite cathartic and i'm sure you're, you're you're used to doing this kind of thing and going on podcasts and doing interviews and stuff but like mm-hmm. a lot of people have said it's like nice to like stop and just take stock of the, the journey thus far you know if, if anything that. it's for me the brawn the brave is just about celebrating the plethora of talent and creativity and mm-hmm. storytelling that is out it's there great. and supporting good music as well which has always been my thing so yeah I'm delighted yeah. you're in the plan delighted no thank you it's always good to have a little bit more um for like friends and people over here in America because there's a lot of things you want to be connected with back in Scotland and like Ireland and all that. So even if there's um, an opportunity to, for them to like sit and listen to another Scottish person talk, they, they love that in a way. I think for <laughs> maybe, I'm sure I'm sure there's not many of them will understand every word that we're saying because we're pretty fast. <laughs> but it's good though. I like the um, I like what it is you're doing as well. And maybe next time when I'm back, we'll maybe do it in person again. Hi, or I'm coming to Nashville for sure. I'm I'm like no, I know somebody. Oh, you Nashville. should. Uh, that's it. You've, you've got you've got a good experience. I have that podcast. Uh, that's it. Well, you you people would absolutely love that. I know. Not that would be um, getting interviewed by a Scottish person in Nashville. Aye. We'll get J- we'll get Jason Isbell over. We'll get right him. done. Let's make it <laughs> yeah. Right, so I'm taking you onto the thingamabobs. Great. Here we go. So for Amer- any Americans listening, a thingamabob is like that thing at the tip of your tongue, but you can't find it. Here is a very controversial one that actually divides the nation do you call it roasted cheese or toasted cheese this is might be similar to you and your, your dad gigging but my dad used to come home for gigs all the time and he would make it so you said roasted cheese or toasted cheese probably roasted cheese Yes. Aye, it has to be it has to be roasted cheese that was the thing i always remember my dad coming home and he would always make it and i would like get my bed and something Ah. <laughs> well done, sir. You've passed that test. Great, fantastic. Um, okay, finish this sentence. When I was wee, I got my head stuck in the car window. Okie dokie. <laughs> <laughs> so just like pull out this, they turned the, 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 the corner of the street. My sister's in the back seat, obviously. I must have bagged the front seat. And then my mum had got out to talk to the neighbour, and she's up, kind of the driveway went up, and the house was higher up. So I'm like, come on, let's go. Like, come in, like, impatient. And I had, like, put my head out the window and I'd leaned on the button and it came up and I got my head stuck in the, like, stuck in the window. All right, so. <laughs> many, many things that I would have uh, finished that, um, but that, that answer would have been, that was just one of the things that came in my head. Love right. it, love it. Um, if you could duet with anyone, who would it be? Um, I always said it would be Bonnie Raitt because that was one of my <laughs> heroes. I was lucky enough to meet her a couple of times. She, um, my friend George, played guitar for her for like twenty years. And when I came here, two thousand fourteen, we had just saw Bonnie Raitt had played in Glasgow the year before, and um, I think it was like the, the October or something like that. And I went to Nashville in the March. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, me, and my dad had like tweeted George because we like his guitar playing, and we just said that oh, we really enjoyed the show. And he replied, he's like, "Oh, thanks a lot. I'm glad you came out and all that." So anyway, fast forward to when I went to Nashville the first time. And one of the first thing it was the first week I was there, I went to a bar to watch this band. And the the venue was down the stair around the, the back, but the main bar when you walked in was here. And I was with my friend Sarah who moved from Glasgow. And I'm just kinda of standing there like looking that way and I turn around and George just he's got his back to me at the bar. And then he's kinda of finished talking. I said I said, Oh George Marinelli and he's like he's like, That's not an accent from round here and I said I said, No, it's not and I said, actually, me and my dad had tweeted you back in Glasgow last year. And he replied, he's like, oh, I remember. He came out to the show. And I said, can I buy you a drink? And he's like, he's like, oh, I'll get my drinks for free because I play in the house band. And he's like, I'll buy you a whiskey. So we had a whiskey and then we became like good friends. And then crazy story, I was out in New York running the half marathon with my friend for, for motor neuron disease. And then so the plan was to go for a week at least. And I thought I'll get some gigs and make my time worth it. And then I'll maybe go to Nashville after it. So got a couple of gigs and I was going to Nashville. But in New York, the timing of me to be in this restaurant was just like, you have no idea. It was perfect. Um, my friend was meant to come from Nashville to open up the show I was playing. So I cancelled a dinner plan with Stephen, my friend, and his cousins who lived in New York. So then Julian, who was coming from Nashville, 
um, to New York. His flight got delayed, so he was going to miss the show. And he's like, you know what? I'm only going to be there for a day and a half, so I'm just going to cancel it. I was like, okay, I'll let the promoter know, whatever. So I then call up Stephen and I said, I can come and join you um, at the restaurant now. So I show up my guitar and took my jacket off and we had to move to another table. So 30 minutes go by and we're just eating our starters and stuff like that. And then Stephen's cousin's best friend was facing me. Everyone was talking on that and she just froze and she was like, oh, I didn't really know her that well. I'm like, what's up? She's like, Paul McCartney's right behind you. And I'm like, I'm like, what? And I like, I kind of froze and Stephen heard that. And he's, he's not a musician, but like, that was like the, the most amazing thing to hear. He's like, he's like, you have to say something. I'm like, relax, don't cause a scene because he's going to see it. And he went up and he'll leave. So everyone just relax. And me being like a total like uh, empath, I'm like, everyone just relax, it's fine. And he's like, you have to say something. Like, I'm not saying anything to him, it's Paul McCartney. Anyway, so I had to leave to do a sound check. And I'm like, I'll see you at the show. I'll leave early. Got my jacket, my guitar, and I walked a long way. So I said to everyone, like, goodbye. And Stephen's like, you better say something. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, whatever. So I turned around and I sat my guitar down. And I said, I'm really, I'm really sorry to interrupt your meal. And he kind of like, he's still like chewing on his food and he scooped in. And he's like, he's like, oh no, you're fine. He's like, he's like, he's like, where are you from? And I said, oh, I'm from the West Coast in Scotland. He's like, I can recognize your accent. And then Paul McCartney starts talking. He's like, so why are you in New York? And I'm like, oh, me and my friend are running the half marathon for uh, ALS and most of New York. And he's like, oh, well, good for you. So I'm playing a couple of shows and heading to Nashville. And he's like, good luck to you. I hope, hope it goes well. I was like, I'm just going to do a show right now. I said, would you sign my guitar for me? And he's like, um, so of course, do you have a pen? So there's a Sharpie, found a Sharpie, and he's like, of course. And literally, I just got this guitar for traveling with through Gibson. Um, right. They'd like cut me a deal on it. And he was like, oh, that's a shiny new guitar. <laughs> he's like, let's not sign the front of it. So we signed, when I'm playing it, it's literally on the top. So he, he wrote to Sean Cheers, Paul McCartney. Yeah. Um, so I never, I never asked for a photograph. I was just like, "Oh, that's really cool. Thanks a lot." And he's like, "He's like, no, no worries. I hope it, uh, everything goes well for you." And then when I get outside, I text my dad because it was the five hours of difference. I think it was maybe twelve o'clock at night for them. And he was like, "You walked up to Paul McCartney." I says, "I don't know. I, don't, I just did it. I just did it." it and he's it like, "You've got balls of steel. You've got balls of steel." So anyway, I went oh, to the show that. and I'm like, I'm like, I'm like sound checking, and I'm and everyone's everything, everything cool. It's like. I just met Paul McCartney and everyone's like, what? Where? And one of the guys literally dived out and ran around to try and find where the restaurant was. Um, but I, crazy. And then and then my friend George was in, Bonnie was playing in Philadelphia. So when Stephen left to go back to the UK, I'd, um, I stayed longer because I was going to do another show. George texts me. He's like, can you get to Philadelphia? Do you want to come to the show? And I was like, I mean, of course. He's like, we'll try and get you tickets. So I grabbed my guitar. I put T-shirts, underwear, and a backpack. Left my big case and took my guitar and went to Philadelphia. <laughs> it was like a few days after, and then I just got an, an Airbnb and I went to the show. I got tickets, and I was literally like three rows from the front and sitting next to Bonnie's best friend. And she's like, "It's like you. Anyone ever told you like Chris Isaac?" And I'm like, "No." I'm like, "No." He's like, "I know, I know Bonnie, but I don't know her." Like we met her after the show and all that, and um, I was had a smile like a Cheshire cat, like. Um, no, so it was cool a- Amos Lee was there that night as well he was because he's from Philadelphia and so the two of them were talking out in the corridor so it was a couple of my heroes were like there at the same time which was cool so um, and then I met Bonnie back in Glasgow again I took my parents to go um, to go and see the show but uh, that was cool that was definitely and, and people like things like that don't happen like things like that happen you just, least expect yeah. them if you just go with it but uh, that was cool so I uh, my collaboration would probably be I'm sure there's, there's tons of people I like to sing with, but mm. just because she's like one of my musical heroes. That was like the longest answer in history there. Listen, that was <laughs> like the best answer. <laughs> That's the good uh, answer. Me. He's been the thing of a bob. What is your favourite Scottish word or phrase? Um, what my, my best friend here, he's from Edinburgh that lives in Nashville on the tours. It's good that the tours um, hang about a lot because it, yeah. it, it keeps it fresh. What's something I would say? I mean, I'd always say I just call call him a dafty. I was like, "You're a, wait, you're a dafty. Why are you doing that? Like, <laughs> you're a pure tube. You're a tube. You're a tube. I, nobody ever says that now. And that was like a thing growing up, wasn't it? I was like, you're. you're a, a I was like, why? You're a tube. Why do you do that? You're a tube. See, when I tell Americans, what do you mean? Like, I was like, like a like a rubber tube. Like, it's not. It's like, see, if you take a rubber tube out your, your tire on your bike, what is it? And they're like, no, oh, it's useless. I'm like, you're a tube. You're you're an an <laughs> well, sorry, no one said that one on the podcast. So you're a first there. You're an absolute tube. There you go. 
I have to say, you are definitely not a tube. <laughs> that's funny that's funny i massively appreciate you doing this it's been an absolute yeah, i mean i love doing all this it's when you when you'd followed i'm like oh this page is cool it's like that'd be good to talk right. and then of course fellow um fellow kennedy thank you so much sean Thanks, and i wish you all the best and hopefully we will actually meet in real life one day magic oh that'll definitely happen i hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Braun the brave podcast about people and their passions. Join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests. Bye for now.